steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am B. Jaradell. Back here with my guy Drew Mahold, and today we are breaking down your Minnesota Vikings' impending matchup with the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field, which, as we all know, typically goes over very well. Uh, so uh, we will discuss uh, what the Bears look like this year, and re- more importantly, what they've looked like the past three weeks, and how the Vikings match up with them. Uh, then, of course, we'll finish up with our picks for the week. So, uh, pretty standard preview episode for us here. Uh, so let's just get it started here with the quarterback position for the Bears and how the Vikings will attempt to stop this uh, this absolute stud, of course. Yes. <laughs> he um, Foles, Foles has had his moments, for sure, of course. He's Super Bowl MVP for a reason. Uh, but he's also had moments on the other side where you really wonder how he's still the starting quarterback somewhere else. Um, you know, there's a reason why this guy has bounced around the league, and it's because he had a very, very amazing four-game stretch plus regular season with the Philadelphia Eagles. And now, in my personal opinion, it seems like he's come back down to earth over the last two years, and he's a very average quarterback that has Chicago Bears fans calling for Mitch Trubisky to come back. I think average would be very generous. Uh, and the, so you mentioned his four-game stretch. So really, outside of 2013 uh, with Chip Kelly, and then I would say the NFC Championship game against the Vikings and the Super Bowl against the Patriots, Nick Foles has been incredibly below average. And it's bothersome because... Of course, you know, one of the few times he was absolutely elite in his career happened to be the most, perhaps one of the most important games or could have been one of the most important games in Vikings franchise history. So that's great. Uh, And there's definitely some demons to be exercised against Foles Monday night. If he, and now it would not surprise me if A, I had missed something already on this or B, it still comes up this week that the Bears actually do go to Trubisky right. and make that switch say. because it's possible that that happens because, uh, you know, they started 3-0. and They were, I saw, uh, you know, how there's all those EPA and advanced analytics charts that'll come out through the week if you're on football Twitter. And one, you know, made a note of how efficient the Bears were on first and second down on offense the first three weeks of the year. And then they've become basically the least efficient on first and second down since week three, essentially since they switched to uh, Foles. So there's the chance that they do make that switch. I don't know, but like, there's no reason to be scared of the quarterbacks, whoever it is, Nick Foles or Mick Trubisky. There's just other, there's many other reasons to be scared of this team, but that's not one of them. Yeah. And it's funny because they're both, they're both suboptimal quarterbacks, but in their own ways. Right. Which is kind of fun. Uh, if you're a Vikings yeah. fan, that is, if you're a yeah. Bears fan, it's probably not all that much fun, but like, you know, I introduced, Nick Foles is, quote, the starter here. But you're right. I mean, there's a very real chance that even if Foles starts this game, 
he doesn't necessarily finish this game because his seat is about as warm as it gets for um, a starting quarterback in the NFL. As now, warm as it gets for a starting quarterback on a team that's above 500. Right. Uh, definitely so in yeah. that regard as well. Um, so you look at both of these skill sets, right? And you look at the assets they have around them and how they kind of influence that skill set. Now, Foles is your conventional, traditional, whatever, pocket passer that every once in a while kind of sneaks away and does something athletic. That, but to me, he's just the guy, just like Kirk Cousins, who stands in the pocket and does it like that. But people remember moments like the Philly special, and all of a sudden he looks like this big, you know, this athletic, like, you know, uh, dual threat quarterback. And he's certainly not that. He has 13 carries for one yard this season. I looked that up because I was thinking about kind of what has given the Vikings in spe- specifically fits. And that's more the mobile element. Like, Mitch Trubisky has done fine against the Vikings. And fine is probably downplaying it a little bit because he's had moments of not so fine play as well. But at his best, Trubisky is the guy that I'm more worried about here uh, because he's mobile. He gets outside the pocket. And while Foles might be more accurate downfield, he's not exactly, you know, super accurate. You know, like it's not like Foles is like a league above Trubisky in terms of his passing ability. Like he's just, he's just a little bit better. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's just a guy. It's not that, I don't know. It's not like, you look at Foles and you look at the body of work and you think, okay, without the Super Bowl ring, who is this guy? Right? Right. But you have that moment. You get Philadelphia their first championship and I think it was ever, right? Um, and you go down in history. And all of a sudden, you still kind of have value two, three seasons later. And really, I mean, if I'm the Bears – if, if Foles doesn't get me down into if, – if Foles goes three and out on the opening drive, I'm switching to Trubisky because I know what Trubisky has done against the Vikings in the past and more so what he's capable against doing capable of doing against this defense because if you have to put one of the Vikings linebackers on Trubisky to account for him, it would probably be Eric Wilson, I'd imagine, to spy him. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're taking arguably the biggest playmaker the Vikings have had over the last three weeks away from that kind of – that role of being a ball hawker, you know, looking for the football. Instead, he's got to focus on the quarterback, and that's not something you have to do with Nick Foles. Right, and I, that's that's part when you watch the Bears, right? The offense, it's tough to watch sometimes. Like, so here's the deal: I've had David Montgomery on my fantasy team all year, <laughs> actually a couple of fantasy teams, and so the the issue you could just you could tell you could look at the numbers and you can see. You know, I'm going to go to their rushing numbers right now. They are currently ranked 32nd in yards and 32nd in touchdown ball and 29th in the league in yards per attempt. Uh, and the problem, you know, now I'm, I'm taking, I'm jumping to conclusions based off fantasy numbers here, but David Montgomery um, is getting RB1 usage in fantasy. Like you, you talk about the number of carries, number of catches he gets each week that rivals like the elite running backs in fantasy but he's definitely not generating that numbers and those productions. And I remember watching one of his games a couple weeks ago, the bears game, I think it was saints game. Um, and the, one of the graphics came up uh, from a couple weeks ago and that said, Dave Montgomery leads the league in broken tackles. And you don't, you look at that and then you see his production and you're, you, you see, okay, this offensive line, this, this scheme must just be terrible because if he's leading the league in broken tackles and he's still averaging, you know, sub, three yards of carry seemingly every game, something's not right there. And uh, the fact that, you know, this offense, like they 
backed into a couple wins earlier this year to get to above 500 and where they're at now. Right. Uh, and they are reeling at this moment. So they have one of the best defenses in the league, but this offense just is so bad that they're, they're struggling and they're in both. They're kind of falling the opposite direction of where, you know, how the Vikings are on an upward trend. Bears are kind of falling backwards right now. Absolutely. They've lost their last three, uh, granted all against pretty successful teams, but, uh, they still lost those games. Right. Um, and the offense looks pitiful straight up. Like if you've gotten the opportunity as a Vikings fan specifically to watch the Bears play, I hope you enjoyed yourself because really, <laughs> really the offensive game that the Bears have turned out, you know, more or less the whole season, but uh, specifically in these last three matchups uh, has not been good at all. <laughs> that Tennessee game last week looks a lot closer because of that final score and, and with one minute remaining. I mean, that the New Orleans game, I'll give it to them. The Bears played a hell of a game, but that was more their defense. But then you go back to the Rams game. Bears were a disaster offensively um, and not good enough defensively to get it done. And that's kind of the situation that, you know, we could sort of fast forward through this offense by saying Allen Robinson is really the only redeemable, like, blue chip level player on this unit right now. Straight up. Like, if you look at the rest of this group, I know Cordero Patterson's fun. Whatever. Darnell well, Mooney. We should also note, by the way, yeah. Montgomery is in concussion protocol, so it's possible Cordero Patterson is RB one for the Bears this week. <laughs> well, that's that, honestly the things that makes things more fun to me because it brings kind of a, you know, so, an idea to reality, you know, potentially on a full time mm-hmm. basis, which would be fun. Uh, but the offensive line's not good. They're not particularly no. good. There's no one that scares you in that group, or no one that you think can't, you know, will be able to dominate one of the Vikings' pass rushers. I'm confident in that, and you know, the, even the Vikings depleted pass rushing unit to do something against this group. The one thing that I will say, so Allen Robinson, like absolute stud, blue chip level player. I don't know why he chose to go to Chicago, especially with their you know prolific history of quarterbacks. It's not just this situation now. It's it, Chicago forever. Why would you choose this place? I don't get it. But anyways, he, he's here, and the Vikings have to deal with him. But other than him, it's basically Jimmy Graham who. Quietly is having a very nice season. He's got five touchdowns. He doesn't look like the Jimmy Graham that was on New Orleans, but he looks like a good, like a, an okay version of the one that was on Seattle. How does that sound? Which is good enough to cause some problems for a Vikings team that, again, in the secondary, like until I, I know that we're going to, we're going to talk about this every week. The Vikings secondary right now, is just has too many question marks around it, whether it's injury, youth, whatever, to not feel a little bit nervous about big, bodied, athletic, smart, savvy offensive players like Allen Robinson and Jimmy Grant. Yeah, and I remember the the joke the offseason was how the Bears literally had 10 tight ends on the roster. So I know they, they don't have that at this point. but Only four. Um, you're right. And Well, one of them was their first pick this year in the draft, which was made it even funnier that they had nine tight ends on the roster. And then they added a 10th for their first pick in the draft. But Cole Komet... Uh, was another guy, too, to watch for. He's kind of become a little bit more involved in the passing game lately. He still only has, uh, what, six catches, I guess, on the year, but uh, didn't have any for the very large, I guess, the first few games of the year. So he's become more involved, but obviously Jimmy Graham and, and Alan Robinson are kind of your go-to receivers there, which, uh, I mean, you're right. Prime Jimmy Graham would have been a problem for Minnesota, and you can see now that um, you know some of that speed and quickness has dropped off quite a bit, but he's still a big target, still could be a problem in the red zone for, for Minnesota. So definitely the two weapons there. And I, I think, you know, I feel bad for Allen Robinson. I mean, partly bad, partly good. I mean, 
he did like as you said kind of i don't did he was he traded or signed i don't remember which one it was but okay so but either way you know he's had like bortles he's had mitchell trubisky and he's had nick Foles essentially for his whole career which is not great and you wonder how good he could be without uh or with a competent quarterback throwing him the ball but uh either way that's it will be interesting to see how the vikings match up you know against Allen robinson if they trust a corner one-on-one or if they try to maybe provide some help and get style uh defense get this you know as a kind of a, a cumulative unit right um this group here like i said before it's pretty much comes down to alan robinson and jimmy graham and taking them out of the game now i imagine at some point you probably saw on instagram or somewhere the picture of calvin johnson and he's getting he has two cornerbacks lined over his head and it's like when he's lining up the line of scrimmage yeah, and yeah. it's always some stupid quote about like don't tell me you know so and so is better than calvin johnson until he does this right it's always something like that all right so if you know what I'm talking about, this will make a little bit more sense. If you don't, well, go find the picture, and then this will make more sense. Uh, <laughs> that's what I think the Vikings need to do to Allen Robinson this week. It's put two corners over him, over his like, body. But, like two scared. guys pressing him at the line of scrimmage. Yes, that's yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I know it's not a joke, but I'm looking at the rest of this unit. I'm looking at the Vikings' deficiencies, and I'm thinking of the most probable way to make sure that this offense doesn't beat you. And to me, that's playing like man across the board against these nah receivers. Anthony Miller, okay, solid route runner, makes me a little bit nervous. Darnell Mooney, I don't buy it yet. I, I know Chicago likes him, but I just yet I need to see more. So I'm literally selling out on Allen Robinson. I'm playing Bill Belichick football, but in kind of a stupider way, right? I'm taking <laughs> out the one guy that can really, really hurt you, and then saying across the board, okay, the rest of you guys, just stop your guy in front of you. I believe that you're better. And that, while that may not necessarily be the case, given what the Vikings are trotting out in their secondary, if they line up two guys over Allen Robinson, I will know peacefully that the one player on this roster that, excuse me, this one player on this offensive roster that truly could take over this football game and give the Vikings fits all night long, assuming Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky is able to get the ball to him, of course, is Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're doing the, it's kind of the make, you know, make Darnell Mooney beat you or meet. Right. Make Al- Anthony Miller beat you, which I'm definitely okay with that. Like, you know, I mean, Allen Robinson's clearly the guy that you want to wor- be worried about. Uh, and I mean, David Montgomery in the screen game has shown like earlier in the season when the offense was a little bit more, uh, I guess, spunky. Now, <laughs> of course, that spunk has has waned quite a bit, but there is a screen game potential there for with Montgomery and probably Patterson. If he's the guy, uh, right. obviously Patterson, you know, with the ball in space is still a threat. He just in Chicago's offense doesn't get much space. <laughs> so uh, that's just, you know, yeah, I, li- I don't hate that strategy, honestly. Uh, that'd be fun to watch. I would love to see Zimmer actually pull that out and use that uh, <laughs> first play of the game. You get, you know, Gladney and I don't know, Holton Hill, if he's healthy, probably not. But or Chris exactly, Lloyd, that's those two guys, those two guys right on uh, Robinson and then. You know, you can trust someone else to go out, maybe Chris Jones on uh, like Mooney or something. But I'm, I'm all for that because I, I do think this offensive line is depleted enough where the Vikings <laughs> pass rushers could get get after him a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of the situation that the Vikings face here. And I know it sounds like a joke and it, to a degree. Yeah, it kind yeah. of is. But like at the same time, like, am I really wrong that like, if you like you listening right now, am I really wrong that there's not, you know, any is, is there really any other guy on here that you're worried about? I mean, I don't think so. So, 
you know, whatever. It is what it is. The I will say, I don't think you can do that if Trubisky, for as much as I like to give, you know, I like to kind of give Trubisky crap, but like, at least he's mobile, right? And I think that's where, I think the Bears are missing out if they don't start Trubisky, because I'm almost more scared of him, all things considered. No, I'm still not scared of Trubisky, but relative to Foles, I think I would be just because of uh, what he can do with his feet. Right. I agree with that, too. Um, so the offense as a whole, nah, whatever. I'm not too concerned about it. Now, my sentiment there is pretty much the exact opposite for this Chicago defense, because yeah. this is about as scary of a defense as you're going to find. For you know, We just clowned on the offense for about 10 minutes there. Um, probably be spending about 10 minutes doing the exact opposite here. Like This group is just filled with superstars. They play well as a unit. Uh, I hate to say that they're well coached, but Chuck Pagano does a pretty nice job there filling in since uh, Denver Fangio. head coach Fangio, Fangio left. Um, and this defense is still as good as ever, and they're getting better. This defense at, is the reason they've won. Well, I'm going to look at their maybe. schedule. They they beat Tampa. They backed into that win because of the defense holding strong towards the end of that game. I think they had a pick six against Carolina, which gave them the win by seven points. Um, you look at you know Atlanta. They held strong late in that game. When the uh, that by the way that was just another one of those classic Falcons losses. Um, so this Bears defense is doing you know it, it's still the same elite Bears defense that we had in 2018. It's just that uh, that in 2018 they had an absurd amount of turnovers, which is just not sustainable. But like the the you know efficiency numbers are still there, and there's no there has been no drop off there, and it's still you know you still have to worry about Cleo Mack. Uh, you know you still have to worry about um, is it Quinn? Quinn is there on the other side. Robert, now, right. Yeah. It's Robert Quinn. And then you still have to worry about um, Rokon Smith, Dan Trevathan, Kyle Fuller. Jalen Johnson's been really good at corner opposite Fuller. Eddie Jackson. Like, there's a bunch of studs out there. Eddie Jackson has had Kirk Cousins' number yep. the last couple of years. So uh, this is – it's scary in that way. And I, I – it's this, you know, efficient rushing attack from the Vikings last two weeks against Green Bay and Detroit. You know, here's your test. Chicago is not the same defense as those two. So uh, this is going to be the test to see if the Vikings can win that way the rest of the year, or if they're just simply not cut out to beat good teams by relying on Kirk, uh, you know, against a, a tougher challenge of a defense. So it's funny because you just listed off eight names right there, right? The, you missed three starters on this defense while listing off their good players, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now let's go level by level. I, I, see, I listed off what I felt like are household names and that's, that's what, I mean, this, yes, that's what this is, right? Um, we'll go level by level here. So this is a 3-4 unit. That's what Chuck Pagano did, does and Vic Fangio did before him. Uh, they kind of stick with that, and they'll move Khalil Mack around um, kind of based off of tendencies, based off of what they're seeing from um, you know the Vikings in you know, the first quarter, second quarter of play. He moves all around the formation, but generally speaking, you'll see him coming from either the blind side. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I should have said... I guess generally speaking, you're going to see him coming from the blind side, but you can see him coming from both ways, right? Uh, and then the same can be said for Robert Quinn because he's flipping basically with Khalil Mack. Both of them are listed as linebackers. If you're more familiar with the 4-3 system, they're basically defensive ends that put their hand in the dirt and then come off the line of scrimmage. Now, once in a while, they do stand up, and that's what kind of makes things a little bit more fun with this unit um, and really what makes a 3-4 defense as a whole a little bit more fun. Just you can have more creativity, especially when you have the guys to do it. So the three guys up front, right, you got Robertson, Robertson, Harrison, Roy, and Nicholas, or excuse me, Bilal Nicholas. Roy, Robertson, Harris, and Bilal Nicholas. Those two guys, go. right? 
And then you have Akeem Hicks. So you have two guys who are basically fillers, in my opinion. They're placeholders. They're guys that are going to free up the rest of the unit. You've got Akeem Hicks, who is essentially supposed to be doing that, right? Getting a strong push, making sure the linebackers are able to roam behind him. But he ends up being a guy that can get pressure on a defense as well. And those two units, that linebacking core and that front three, they work so well in unison that like they're not even playing a 3-4. They're just playing whatever makes sense on that play. It could be a 4-3. It could be a 3-4. It could be, you know, a 2-5-4, 2-5-2. You know, they, I mean, you can't do my math Good wrong. Math. You know what I'm talking four, two, five. about. Right. So it's they can do just about everything because they have the personnel to do it. And, of course, when you have Khalil Mack, like, arguably – a top, well, still, I would say arguably a top pass rush in the NFL, despite the fact that he's been, you know, a little bit more down to earth, I suppose, the past season or so. Um, still has six and a half sacks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this front seven is really the like. They're so good because they work like you can't really differentiate between the groups, right? You see kind of what Akeem Hicks is doing at the front, and then all of a sudden you'll flip that up. And Cleo Mack will come off the edge, and you'll get pressure, and that'll work to give Jalen Johnson position on the outside. Like, this entire unit works super well, and it starts with those front three guys. So, just looking at the numbers here, right? Like, they're the they're the seventh best defense points in terms of points, or ninth best in terms of yards. Uh, but if you look at, you know, they, they've allowed the fewest number of passing touchdowns this year. Um, and they are, let's see, they are the sixth fewest rushing touchdowns allowed. So... Like they've, they don't like the defense is clearly carrying this team, uh, and that's, you know, something that hasn't been the case for the Vikings and the team that they've beaten this year. You know, you look at Houston, you look at Green Bay, look at Detroit. That's three teams with very easy to to defeat defenses. So this is going to be perhaps the toughest defensive test the Vikings have faced this year. It's got to be right. Um, trying to look back, maybe the Colts are in that category, but other than that, you know, and. The Colts are probably the only tough defense, really, that you can look back at on the Vikings schedule. And Kirk Cousins had a heck of a day against the Colts there. So, And he has not had a good record against the Bears since he arrived in Minnesota. So that's kind of, you know, it's sort of really the one thing going well for the Vikings right now is that they do have two wins in a row and that Kirk has not had a mistake the last two weeks. And it's like they have momentum. But other than momentum, this game, to me, favors... Chicago a lot more than it favors Minnesota just based on that defense like despite are, the fact that we just said what we did said about the offense like if there's one defense is going to stop what the Vikings are doing over the last two weeks I mean this is the number one third down defense in football they are allowing the fewest number of passing touchdowns or six best against rushing touchdowns um, they are number 11 in terms of yards per carry allowed like they they don't have a weakness and so this is their you know this is the big the big test for this offense can it can can it sustain itself for the rest of the year to make action to actually make a playoff run that we've been so hopeful about absolutely you know and like i said this is act three uh, that's what we talked about on you know the previous episode here and this is the opportunity for the vikings to show that they you know what they're doing right now in terms of when on their winning streak right two games um is sustainable and it's, it's like you said it's sustainable against a team with a serious defense and a defense that can knock you around and really force turnovers and flip the game in their offense's favor with field position regularly. Like this defense does everything so well that if they just had competence at the quarterback position, competence, that's all Mm -hmm. I'm asking for. They'd be even better than they are now. And, you know, you put, you kind of 
I, when I'm looking, when I look at this roster, this defensive roster, I always try to figure out, okay, what, where are the Vikings better? Where do the Vikings have an advantage? That's kind of the first thing that I do when I, you know, when we're lining up these conversations here. And when you, <laughs> you look at this group, I mean, Adam, you know, you think of the Vikings' best players, right? Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, throwing a tight end if you want on a good day. How confident do you feel that those guys can play their best football against what this defense does? And I'm concerned because Kyle Fuller used to be the only cornerback on this team. They used to throw in Prince of Mukamara, and that was fun, right? And the Vikings would end up torching him a couple times and keep the game close. Now, you know, Jalen Johnson's out there. First of all, did not see this one coming. Did not see him being arguably the best rookie defensive player in the NFL, let alone the best cornerback, period. And now he's playing opposite, so they can run man-to-man coverage on the outside and feel confident about it and let loose everything else. Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem for a couple of reasons. Yeah. First of all, it's confusing. <laughs> Second of all, I mean, wh- what do the Vikings do? They're going to run their zone run scheme. They're probably going to run to the right side to start, mix it up with going the left and get play action involved like they typically do, right? That running, if they're going to try to run the ball effectively – and doing that consistently, I just don't feel confident that, you know, looking at this group, that they can do that. Second down is going to become incredibly important, both in terms of play calling and also success rate. Mm-hmm. Because I don't expect Dalvin Cook to get four, five, six yards every first down this week. That just doesn't seem like a feasible possibility because that opens up everything else for this team, right? And it if has he's not last two weeks. That, yeah, it definitely has. If, if he's not doing that on first down, what do you do on second down? Because Gary Kubiak would run it on second and 12. So <laughs> probably. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so much so much more important, because if it is second and 12, I know that's what he's going to do. And I'm still going to yell at the TV because you need to throw it in that situation because you're not going to run. De- I shouldn't say you're not because he's on quite a tear. But I really don't think you're going to run Dalvin Cook down their throat like you did against Detroit. No. Green Bay. No, that's just not. Well, it's 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 dumb to expect that. Now, you have to give credit to the. Like the offensive line, the athleticism has really showed the last couple of weeks and the way they can move in that zone scheme. But uh, there's just the Bears are coached way better. They're way more athletic. They're more rangy. They're going to, you know, reach those spots. They're also not going to have only 10 men on the field uh, for a 70 yard touchdown. That's not happening. So uh, it's I, I worry, you know, it's weird because at the same time, like this Bears offense is much worse than. Green Bay and Detroit, who the Vikings defense has stif- stifled uh, the last couple of weeks. So um, I don't know. I think it'll be a, it's a good one. I, I don't know how many times there's been a three and five team on the road against a divisional opponent. That's five and four. That's been favored. The Vikings are favored in this game, which is kind of mind boggling, really? which, yeah, they are. They're favored by two and a half as of right now, which two and a half. Yeah. Hey, two and a half. I, I worth noting worth noting but it is worth noting because it it makes things a little bit more interesting because i didn't you're right i didn't think the vikings would be favored in this one given their history given you know the fact that half their team is still hurt and i know i know chicago's been playing bad but like the standard is the standard vegas doesn't believe in nick Foles. i (laughs) i'm with you i'm with you on that vegas but here's the thing i also don't believe in Kirk cousins and that's kind of what this ultimately comes down to right he's gonna have to do more in this game than he has last you're right which is reason for doubt <laughs> you knew that we were going to ultimately have to ramp up to this point because if dalvin cook's not getting it done you have one other option one right and it's the quarterback and it's the guy that you paid to win in this situation it's the guy that you believe can 
do what I just said last episode. I'm going to ask you to make eight really important throws. I need you to make seven of them. And that, then we're going to win this football game. It's probably going to be a little bit more than that this week. But Kirk Cousins has been doing great on a small sample size. I'll give you guys all that. All of you Kirk defenders out there, the last couple of weeks have been brilliant in terms of efficiency. Now he has to answer that with, first of all, more volume. There's going to be more passes in this game. There has to be. And against a defense that loves to crush him. Wants yeah, they've been they, – they go back and look at the numbers. It's, it's dumb. Kirk it hasn't dumb. been good against the Bears for a while. So, I don't how know. Many points, how many points – this is kind of – you know, to wrap the whole thing up, how many points does it take to win this football game? 20. I think it's a classic, you know, how, you know how that rule used to be with Zimmer, right? You score 20 or 21 points and you win the game. I think it's going to be like this, mostly because of the Bears offense being bad. Uh, but, and I do trust Kirk and this offense, which is on fire right now for what it's worth. But do you trust them to score 20-ish points at Chicago on Monday night? Well, that's the question here um, as we kind of slide into our picks for the week and start. We'll start here. We you know I know this game's being played on Monday night, but of course, we got to start with the Vikes here. Um, we went through, you know, went through the offense. Nothing to write home about. We went through the defense. Complete opposite. You know, a lot of reasons to be fearful, especially with Kirk's history of turning the ball over. And, you know, the backbreaking play seems very reasonable this week. Right. Hey, Jackson will be all over those, you'd it, think. Exactly. Or Khalil Mack. I mean, or Roquan Smith or Robert Quinn for, you know, my God, uh, or Akeem Hicks. I mean, we could keep going. But so ultimately, Drew says 20 points is what it's, you know, what it's going to take here. Vikings, obviously, their defense, not great. Kind of that whole side of the football, or excuse me, that phase of the game, the Vikings offense versus, excuse me, the Vikings defense versus the Bears offense is just going to, they kind of wash each other, each other out. And then you get to the point where it's like, okay, it's defense. <laughs> offense against the Bears defense and who's going to win that in points. I think I know oh, who's going to win this, like that individual kind of uh, uh, that matchup. But if the Bears defense puts up points, it's a different story. That's what this really comes down to to me. Is so you, do, you, will the, do you think the Bears defense will score a touchdown in this game? Yeah, I do. I do. So if that's I'm the really case, then you're probably that. picking the Bears in this game. I am picking you? the Bears. That's what I was, you know... I have to pick the Bears this week. Like I, you know, I'm setting my I'm setting my expectations reasonably right now. Of course, I want the Vikings to win, and of course, it's going to be exciting if they do. But reasonably speaking, I just I can't see. I, I just totally like. It's like I'm having deja vu, and it's probably because it already has happened a couple times. Kirk Cousins is going to is going to be the reason the Vikings lose this football game. And it's going to be as a result of the fact that Dalvin Cook can't be a superhuman. He can do his job against his team, but I don't think he's good enough to be a superhuman. And then it comes down to who's going to turn the ball over. And while I think that Nick Foles has the propensity to do it as well, I lean Kirk Cousins being the yeah. guy to screw this thing up when it comes down to it. Yeah, I, I, just for the sake of having a different pick, I'm going to take the Vikings. And it's nice for me because I get to be the homer, but I do not have a lot of confidence in that pick. So, uh I will roll with, you know, you got the bears. I got the Vikings. Um, don't love, <laughs> don't love. The, I don't have any optimism on it, but uh, primetime Kirk. Let's see what you got. 20 points. That's all you need, Kirk. And I, I hope I'm wrong. All right. Let's, uh, let's get right into the rest of these picks here and uh, finish out for the week. Um, starting the AFC here. We got the Indianapolis Colts rolling into Tennessee. Um, Tennessee coming off of a pretty, 
you know, fun victory against Chicago where uh, I felt like they pretty comprehensively defeated that team. Indianapolis, on the other hand, has been wishy-washy all season long, and this is an important matchup that could potentially, mm-hmm. you know, define what happens in the AFC South. So who you got in this one? Yeah, I think Tennessee wins the AFC South if they essentially wins the AFC South if they win this game. I think they're going to. I, You know me as a big Titans guy. I will say the Bears pretty handily shut down Derrick Henry last week despite the loss. So one thing to keep in mind with uh, with Dalvin this week. Uh, but I got the Titans in this one. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. Um, I think that that's the, the more – I think it's the easier pick to make right now. Now, granted, Indianapolis is about as good of a defense outside of Chicago that you're going to find in the NFL right now for one reason or another. I mean, you guys have seen how Xavier Rhodes has performed. It's pretty funny. Um, but ultimately, I, th- I think you're right. You know, Tennessee's the better football team. They're more efficient, and they're less likely to screw it up. And, you know, I just picked the Bears because I thought they were less likely to screw it up. I'm going to do the same thing here with Indianapolis and Tennessee. Titans roll. Um, next one here is Houston and Cleveland. So Deshaun Watson um, gets to trot out there against uh, Baker Mayfield. Now, this this game seems like it would have been a lot more fun last year when, you know, you knew that Houston was going to be competitive and Cleveland was kind of had that, you know, that fun aura. Now this feels like the potential for, oddly enough, for Cleveland to get away here with a big win. See, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I think... I think uh, it's going to be a close game shootout, but I got the Browns kind of in a close one here. Um, assuming Baker, I think he was activated off the COVID list today. So I think he'll be back and I think that he'll be able to take advantage of the Texans defense, put up some points. Uh, I also think Deshaun will have a pretty solid day at the office trying to play catch up big numbers, but Browns ultimately in the win. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Browns too. I just think that they're, they're the better football team all around right now. It's hard to, it's hard to pick anyone you know, that the Texans can beat outside of the team that they faced, was it, last week, Jacksonville. Yeah. So um, Cleveland's a safe pick. Let's move forward here. Um, Washington at Detroit. Uh, this is an interesting one for a couple of reasons. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, when Washington is in the do- on the docket, you're not super confident, but Alex Smith is the full-time starter now. Uh, he has been able to connect with Terry McLaurin specifically, which makes things a little bit more fun. And the Vikings just saw Detroit last week and no – kind of where they're at um, in terms of their season. So this is a backbreaker for Detroit, of course. Anytime you lose to Washington, it is. But um, are they able to get it done against the definitive favorite to win the Comeback Player of the Year award? Uh, I am rooting for chaos in the NFC East. So I'm going to pick a Washington in this one uh, because it would be hilarious if Washington was 2-6 and six and came back to win that division. I, so I, I like that. I'm definitely rooting for chaos as well. Uh, and I'm, of course, rooting for Alex Smith as, as every single person on the planet is. Uh, but I have to favor Detroit here. Uh, they're just – they're more – I don't think they're – Washington is the better coach team, but they're not ready to be competitive against even Detroit. I think offensively Detroit will be able to overwhelm them. Um, I'm going to take them in this game. Uh, the next one here should be an absolute blowout, and that's Jacksonville and Green Bay. I don't know yeah. who Jacksonville is going to start at quarterback. We do know who's going to start at quarterback for Green Bay. I think that was kind of a lock for yep. both of us. Yeah, yeah, Green Bay. Green Bay for the, the both of us moving forward here to the NFC East. Uh, Philadelphia and the New York Giants, typically a fun matchup. Uh, I don't think there's such thing as a fun matchup in the NFC East this year, but um, if there is one, this is you know these are two of the most competitive teams in that division right now. Um, now, neither of these teams are <laughs> really competitive outside of, you know, the division, but it's a fun one nonetheless because this one has uh, 
future relevancy in terms of what the ultimate outcome of is in arguably one of the worst divisions I've ever seen in NFL history. So yeah. who you got in this one? So we think of the Giants as just hideously bad, and maybe they are. Um, and going back to their schedule here, they have not had a game decided by more than three points in five weeks. They lost to Dallas by three, Washington by one, Eagles by one, Bucks by two, Washington by three. Um, so they're, they're staying competitive in games, and last time with the Eagles, they lost by one at Philly. I'm going to take the Giants. And again, part of that's just rooting for chaos in the NFC East. So I want the Giants to win this game. I'm going to pick them. Um, I'm going to take Philadelphia. We might as well just flip as many picks as we can here since you and I are actually tied um, on our overall scoreboard. Oh, nice. uh, to me, this is a bit of a coin toss, so I'm going to take the team that's done it most recently in terms of success, and that's Philadelphia. I mean, they seem to... You know, they haven't been great the last couple of years in terms of their record, but in the moments when they're supposed to win football games, they have been able to do that. Um, I expect Carson Wentz to be the guy to you know, do it this year as well. So um, next one here, T- Tampa Bay at Carolina should be a fun one in the NFC South. Um, Tom Brady coming off maybe the worst performance of his entire career. Is that fair? Um, and Teddy Bridgewater coming off of a very, very strong performance and a losing effort. Uh, now, Christian McCaffrey has been ruled out as far as I'm concerned, and Mike Davis will be back in there. Uh, so does Carolina have enough? They're playing at home. Um, they they look well coached this season. They're competitive with everyone. Um, and this is an opportunity to kind of get back into the thick of it in the NFC South. So all I know that I'm confident about in this game is the over is going to hit. 15 and a half seems like a, a pretty easy over. Panthers offense did really well last week. And I don't see the Bucks having two bad offensive games in a row. Uh, but this is about picking a team to win. I'm picking the home team, Carolina, uh, just because I think I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. And I, I would like to see Tampa's defense rebound after what happened last week. Um, a little bit more than that. So give me Carolina. So Tom Brady doesn't have two bad games in a row. Correct. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Um, so on that premise alone, uh, I'll be taking Tampa Bay this week. Um, that's not to say that the rest of the that team is that is better logic well. than I'm using. I like that. <laughs> I would like to get that out there. <laughs> I have never seen Tom Brady to throw two stinkers in a row. Um, and if he's competitive, that defense should hold up well enough, in my opinion. I'm going Tampa Bay. Um, the next one here, kind of. This has been this is an interesting matchup because we're in the AFC West. So generally speaking, if you're not talking about the Chiefs, it's not too much fun. But Denver and Oakland has the potential to be interesting because we're talking about Oakland, who was really fun to watch early in the season, has kind of came back down to earth. And now Denver, who has become very exciting, um, even in losing efforts with Drew Lockback at quarterback. So now, you know, more is on the line here. Denver has the potential to, you know, do some to, to really disrupt what Oakland is trying to do. Um, are they able to get it done? Uh, this Oakland, Las Vegas, I mean, of course. Um, are they able to get it done in Las Vegas this year? I am picking Denver, and I am now realizing how many upsets I'm actually picking this week. Um, but I got Drew. I, I'm a big Drew Lock fan, um, and I kind of I liked Denver prior to the season. They had they dealt with way too many injuries early on. And I think getting a tiny bit healthy now, and hopefully that can result in some wins here. I think they're going to get a, a win on the road here in the division. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was the upset pick um, based off of kind of how that offense has been humming a bit. And um, Oh, yeah, Raiders are by five. So. They have not looked good the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to take Denver here. I'm going to ride the Drew Locke train as well. Um, I want him to be good at football. I don't necessarily believe yet he seems that fun. he's a con- – He does seem fun. But I don't know if he's consistently good enough to be fun 
and like relevant. You know what I mean? Like you have to be good enough to also be for your fun kind of personality to shine. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure yet with him, but this is definitely an opportunity to prove it. So I'm going to take Denver as well. Uh, next one here, we got the Chargers against the Miami Dolphins. Um, Justin Herbert <laughs> last week had an opportunity slide through his fingertips once again. Um, I will note that uh, he has won one game. Thank you for the clarification on that one, Ben, on through Twitter. Um, Drew and I have been kind of praising. It was against the Jags. Does that count? I don't think it counts. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, like we've been, we've been, I, we mentioned that that happened, but I don't think it counts. Now, does this one count either? I'm looking for the Justin Herbert game. Last week they had the opportunity. It just literally like could not have been closer. Now against Miami, again, this is kind of getting closer to Jacksonville territory to me where it's not no, as much. I think I like Miami a lot. Uh, but do you think they're actually good? I like I them too. I do. I think they're actually good. And I think they're going to, I said this last week, I'm saying it again, they're going to, they're going to challenge Buffalo down to perhaps the last week of the year for that AFC East division. So I'm picking Miami in this one. So I'm, I'm going to take the chargers. Um, I don't believe Miami's that good yet. Now I will say, I agree. Hey, they just won well. at Arizona. I, I get that. And I, I will say that they're very, very well coached and they have looked like they last week was an impressive performance from Tua. Now, the first week of Tua still is bleeding over to me right now. I believe that he's at this stage in his career, plenty of time to develop. He's going to be a great player, I'm sure. But at this stage of his career, I think it's more likely that against the Chargers defense that we're going to get the Tua we saw two weeks ago as opposed to the one we saw last week against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Now, to me, that means that the Chargers are going to win just because Justin Herbert, I think, is, has the better opportunity here to take advantage of Miami's defense than Tua has on Chargers defense. Fair. That's my rationale here. So uh, we'll split on that one again. Uh, looks like our, um, our race here will be a lot different starting next week. Um, Buffalo to Arizona is the next one on the docket. Uh, in my personal opinion, this might be the most fun game of the week outside of the Vikings-Bears. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen goes up against Calvin A lot of Murray. quarterback rushing yards in this game. Absolutely. Yeah, it's two similar playing styles and two very different body types for at the yes. quarterback position, right? Um and there's a lot of really fun players in this game as well. So you got DeAndre Hopkins, who was very quiet last week, um, and Stephon Diggs, who is currently leading the NFL in receiving yards, Vikings fans, by the way. Um, I know you don't care, but I wanted to say that anyways. Um, so who you got in this one? Does it? I mean, this is two of the more interesting football teams in terms of you're just a casual fan and you're turning football on. Buffalo and Arizona are two really fun teams to watch. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, they're also two roller coaster teams. So right. who gets it done? The way the Bills' defense kind of slowed down Russ last week, uh, I kind of want to favor Buffalo. And, I, I mean, Arizona's defense is not that great either. So I think the Buffalo offense will keep rolling, and I think they have enough defense to, uh, you know, slow down Arizona enough to get the win. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo as well. Uh, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, th I think that Arizona's defense is a work in progress, whereas Buffalo's defense is more closer to the finishing point. Um, and when you're facing you know, a dual threat quarterback on either side of the ball. Um, you know, you want to have kind of a more seasoned defense that has more experience at, you know, being disciplined, you know, staying in their gaps, whatever it is, the simple things, right? I think Buffalo does that better than Arizona at this point. That's why I'm taking the bills. So um, next one here, uh, another actually pretty potentially fun matchup and very relevant to your Minnesota Vikings, by the way, and that's Seattle at the Los Angeles Rams. Now we head to the NFC West here, very competitive division. The Rams have not looked as great 
Uh, I think they were on bye last week, but the previous two weeks beforehand, um, most recently against Chicago, was the last time that they looked eh, all right. Um, and even then, it didn't really take much, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, they get Seattle. Now, Seattle can has the opportunity here to kind of put a pin down on who's going to win this division. Um, and in the process, by the way, they get the Vikings more of a gateway into the postseason. Yeah. So, in theory, Vikings fans should be rooting for Seattle here. But does Russell Wilson get it done against Jared Goff? He does. Uh, always pick Russell Wilson against Jared Goff. I just... Jared Goff has too many stinkers to, to trust, even against Seattle's defense. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Seattle as well. I think they're the safer pick. Um, they're more consistent. Um, you can trust that Russell Wilson, nine times out of ten, he's going to come out and not you know, throw three interceptions like he did. Um, that's not going to happen again. Uh, I think it's more likely that Los Angeles comes out and doesn't play well than Seattle. That's just a, a trend for the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. um, Seattle's a safe pick. I'm going there as well. Uh, next one here, San Francisco completely depleted against New Orleans, who, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't think this game is, you know, you, you wouldn't think that this one's going to be close. But then you saw what happened against Tampa Bay last week with New Orleans and how they played that game. And then you also remember how C- how New Orleans played earlier in the week, year, and you have to think, you know, is, it high, yeah. is this recency bias to well, just completely say that San Francisco has no chance? I, think, I just think it is. It's more of a. It more has to do with San Francisco and their injuries and how poor they played against Green Bay. Right. I just. I. I don't see how this is close. Give me the Saints. Uh, for yeah, I'm, I'm still lukewarm on the Saints, but I think the Niners are just that depleted. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Saints too. I just wanted to give you know San Francisco reasonable doubt, I suppose, um, just because it's San Francisco and they are well coached, regardless of who's playing. Yeah. But. You're right. I, I do think they don't have enough players to get it done against, you know, one of the most stacked teams in the NFL right now. Um, last couple here, uh, heading back to the AFC. we got Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Uh, I would say this is a rollover game, but it's in the division. Um, it's a rivalry it's game. It's protocol, so. It's a good uh, point, too. And Burrow has looked it, better. He has. I'm taking Pittsburgh, assuming Big Ben is not in COVID protocol, because if Mason Rudolph's playing quarterback. I'm taking Joe Burrow all day. But uh, I guess for now, write down Pittsburgh. And then, uh, you know, maybe we'll reconvene if Big Ben's out. I'm going to take Pittsburgh either way, um, just because of the defense. I think the defense is good enough to beat Cincinnati. Um, Especially because if Joe Burrow were any other rookie quarterback, um, we would be saying, you know, the Steelers defense is going to tear him apart. But because he is Joe Burrow, we give him a little bit more sure. um, credit than maybe, maybe, granted he has been very good, maybe more credit than he deserves. But um, yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh as well. And I'll go either way there. Um, last one that we have here, again, it, you'd think this one would be fun, but it's really just not. And that's Baltimore and New England. Um, the, mm. the Patriots just squeaked by the Jets by three points. And Baltimore, while they have not looked as dominant, dominant offensively as they did last season, I think this one's pretty clear cut. Yeah, this is Baltimore. Uh, I don't, I mean, for his, yeah, uh, New England struggled with the Jets. Now you get the Ravens. It's not going to be, I don't think it'll be that close. Yeah, uh, I'm going Baltimore as well. And that cleans out our picks for the week here. Uh, an update to our standings, as I mentioned before, uh, Drew was able to gain um, another, some ground on me last week. And we are now tied both at 87 and 46 overall. So we're still predicting about 67% of these correct, which is, not bad, um, but I'm uh, having a couple tough weeks in a row here, and Drew has pulled. We're very uh, split on our matchups this week, so this will be interesting. There could be some good separation between absolutely. us this week. 
Absolutely. All right. So uh, I think that's about it. Uh, any final thoughts that you'd like to share before we head out for the week? Uh, no, other than uh, also the Masters is being played this weekend for those of you still interested in golf. Uh, you know, let's, let's all hope that Bryson DeChambeau does not win, uh, even though it seems likely. Why, why do people think he's going to win? This is a sports podcast, I guess. We can so it kind of. Long story short, he's figured he has basically uh, put on like 50 pounds of muscle and he's basically trying to overpower every golf course. So he's hitting the ball 50 yards further than everybody else. And essentially, so on like every hole, he's going to be hitting four or five clubs shorter into the green than everybody else, which is a pretty sizable advantage. Uh, So that's why people think he's going to win. And he's changing the way people look at golf. And I don't like him as a person. He's very... Right. Annoying. That's what I was going to say, too. The only reason I know him is because he's annoying. Yeah, he's annoying. He's He cares way too much about his brand, but I do respect what he's doing to, you know, get himself over the top to win tournaments. And it's already worked at the U.S. Open this year. But anyway, that was that was Talking Golf. <laughs> this has been Talking Golf with Drew. And with that said, uh, we're out for the week. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Um, you know, Skull Vikes this week. It'll be you know huge opportunity here. Hopefully the next time we speak, um, I'll be in a positive mood and we'll be cheering about something. Um, but until then, you can find this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you typically listen to your podcast. Uh, Drew and I are available on YouTube as well if you prefer to watch your content. Um, and make sure to leave us you know, a thought, a comment. Um, I think we got like 15 comments on the, the most recent one. I went through those, and that was a lot of fun to kind of see where all you guys are at. Um, you can do that on Daily Norseman or on YouTube. So um, I appreciate that stuff. It's fun for us, and it gives us more content to deliver to you guys. So thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Ooh.